0: It's time for Eye Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Eye along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly.
1: Good morning and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you a full two hours today from 9 until 11 right here on News Talk 1400, DWS and 93.9 FM. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Doing well. You awake?
2: Oh, yeah. Did you stay up for that UCLA game last night? I did not. I barely stayed up for the Illinois game. <laughs> Well, I, UCLA won a, <laughs> a big game in Villanova in overtime, and it was bad enough. It was way past midnight, but the game went overtime on top of it. But uh, UCLA's got a good team, Steve.
1: Well, they do. Uh, some folks have them number one in the country preseason, and right. uh, others certainly have them in the top five. They were a Final Four team last year with but that, virtually everybody back.
2: I, that's true, but did you see? They made that wonderful late run, but they were an average team going into the tournament. Well they I ended, mean they were they had to play they had to beat Michigan State in the play-in game to even get in there
1: right but they did yeah they turned it around and they did and they're good again this year
2: that's how quickly
1: things can change yep big 10 went 10 and 0 last night in friday night action uh, led by the illinois win over arkansas state 92 to 53 at the state farm center a near capacity crowd there for that we're going to talk about that quite a bit this morning. Our guest lineup includes Illinois assistant coach Chester Frazier coming up at 9.15. Brad Sturdy at 9.30. We'll talk about uh, the game with uh, those two gentlemen and take your calls as well. 217-356-9397. So what do you think now after uh, two games? Well, I'm going to throw, the,
2: throw it back to you because I, you, you'll get my leanings on this. But has the absence of Kofi allowed Coleman Hawkins to maybe do more and develop faster than he would have if if he was playing alongside Kofi. What I do you think,
1: think? I think that's an absolutely yes.
2: Yeah, I think he's uh, four blocks last. Night. I mean, he he really he really played.
1: He did, and I I think he's entrenched himself into that starting role when Kofi does come back.
2: Yeah, and well, yeah, I think he's he'll be the four. Yeah, but I the other thing that I wonder about, and this is just I haven't heard anything from uh, Underwood on this subject, but. Kofi's gonna, as we know, Kofi's gonna have to miss ten, roughly ten minutes, twelve minutes every game. He'll sit out out of the forty-minute game. You are expecting him to play? You'd like to see him play thirty, and yet that means ten minutes for somebody else at the center position. Now you know where I'm going with this. Could you just move uh, Coleman over there and let him play? Those if he if he can handle the defensive assignment, he'd be murder on the other 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 side of it.
1: Yeah, but you're gonna have to get him some rest
2: too. That's true. You're you're absolutely right. But so
1: I think Omar Payne certainly has a role there.
2: Well, or <laughs> Verdunk. Yeah, I think Boseman's both those guys Verdunque do. Verdunk looks to me like he's actually outplayed uh, Payne in these two games, but that doesn't mean as we go. I mean, the the main thing going along uh, will be when when Kofi comes out, you want somebody to come in and play really hard defense. Right. You're not going to ask him to score and uh, neither one of them is a, is a particularly good scorer. But um, I'm not sure that Payne's ahead of him right now. I'm not sure. What do you think?
1: Probably not, but two games in. I mm-hmm. think it, they, they both have benefited from Kofi being out and, yeah. and getting uh, minutes maybe they wouldn't have gotten yeah. in the first. They, they would have gotten some, the way the games turned out. They were you know, two pretty de- decisive wins.
2: My other question is this. If you had a guard that was out 10 days with the – concussion protocol, do you think that guard was in any way uh, set back by his absence? <laughs> Corbello, Corbello looked like he'd been practicing every single day, didn't he?
1: Well, he probably has. I'm sure he has. And
2: Well, not with the team, though. I mean, not with, you know, we know that he worked out on his own some.
1: Right. No, he looked fine. Well, I'll say. <laughs> those first four assists were magnificent and all very different.
2: Yeah, and by the way, they didn't convert them all. Right, I mean, <laughs> but that
1: three quarter court half lob, oh man! I, I thought, what's he doing?
2: Yeah, well, he could trust Coleman Hawkins to go up and get it.
1: Yeah, no, those were great, and and the, the no look over the back of it. You probably saw that one better than I did. You were up a little higher, <laughs> but because uh, down there on the floor, as you know, you miss a lot of. I, I couldn't see a lot of the uh, passes underneath, but uh, that was that was a great one too.
2: Yeah, it really was. Well, I think that uh, right now Illinois has already established itself as a, as one of the contenders. And, and as good as Illinois looked, I'm told Purdue looked even better last night. So, you know, uh, Purdue is loaded. And can you imagine Williams coming off the bench? Trevion Williams is coming off the bench for them. He's their sixth man.
1: I know. <laughs> a lot of folks had him first team Big Ten.
2: I know. But well
1: I, Purdue ranked number 7 beat Indiana State 92-67. Mm-hmm. Those other scores uh, involving Big 10 teams, Michigan State over Western Michigan 90 to 46, Indiana 85, NIU 49, Ohio State ranked 17th in the preseason poll beat Niagara by 10, 84-74. Iowa 89, Missouri-Kansas City 57, Wisconsin 72 to 34. Over Wisconsin-Green Bay, Nebraska beat Sam Houston State, 74-65. Northwestern over High Point, 95-60. And Minnesota beat Western Kentucky, 73-69. Marquette won its game last night, so they will be 2-0 and when Illinois goes there Monday.
2: Monday night. That, that'll be the first big test on the road and the final game without Kofi.
1: Yep, Hawkins, a double-double, 17 points, 12 rebounds. Grandison, who I really like the way he's playing, and I, mm-hmm. I liked him last year when he moved into that starting lineup. He just does so many things, uh, uh, you know, just all matter-of-factly kind of. He's steady. He's not, uh, you know, he he just, when you look up, he's got uh, 15, 16, 17 points. He had 20 in that first game and 15 points, 6 rebounds last night. Uh, Chester Frazier, good to see him back in the lineup with 12 points, and Cribello and Plummer both with eight. Cribello Boy, had seven
2: It looks like uh, DeMonte Williams will be coming off the bench, which is okay. He got 18 and a half minutes out of 40 last night coming off the bench, and I I see that's that's kind of the way it's going to be, isn't it?
1: I think you're right, and uh, that's a nice uh, situation to have with uh, the depth, and the freshmen are getting some time, especially Luke Goody, and mm-hmm. Melendez looked good in the, in the minutes he played last night as well, so... Uh, And I I get it. These are early games. You expect to win those, and they'll get a little better test playing on the road on Monday night.
2: Yeah, and we still don't have Hutcherson back, and there's no indication when he will come back, although he's starting to do some things that would indicate it's very soon. I don't know if he'll play Monday against Marquette. This is tough now because these are big games that that the line are moving into, and it's going to be a little difficult for him to get – playing time because uh, with the guys at his position playing so well, you just mentioned Granderson and Coleman Hawkins playing so well. And I think maybe we thought before the season, well, after the first exhibition game when he led the team in scoring, that he'd get at least equal minutes with those guys. But uh, right now, I don't know how you fit him in.
1: Yeah, the Big Ten, as I mentioned, 10-0 last night. I think they're 21-2 or something uh, so far. Uh, Michigan State had a loss to, who was that, Duke? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Nebraska lost a game. Those are the mm-hmm. only two losses yeah. involving Big Ten teams, and three more. But uh, they have,
2: most of them haven't played a game to, to even let us know how good they are. That's right. And Minnesota had uh, a close game last night, which would indicate that this is not a strong Minnesota team. Iowa, I, I, I can't make a judgment on them. We're going to talk to Scott Docterman a little later today, Steve. Maybe he can give us a, a better rundown on where Iowa stacks up without uh, having lost so many good players.
1: Some other uh, Big Ten teams in action today, three more. Maryland against Vermont, Rutgers and Merrimack. Who you got in that one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Rutgers.
1: And uh, how about Prairie View A&M? You got them poised for an upset?
2: I guess so. I don't know. They played Michigan today. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> no.
1: Women's basketball, the Illinois women's team in action tomorrow against Miami of Ohio uh, at uh, 3 o'clock at the uh, State Farm Center. Volleyball with a straight set win last night over Indiana, 3-0. Illinois ranked number 25, and they take on number 10, Ohio State, tomorrow at noon at Huff Hall. And uh, good luck to the uh, St. Thomas Moore High School volleyball team, 40-1 and on the season, playing in the state championship game, yeah. coming up later on this morning over in Normal. So uh, good luck to the Sabres as they go for a second state championship. So what are you going to do this afternoon with no Illinois game to watch?
2: Well, find something. There's some I'll games find to something watch. To if it gives us a chance to see how some of these other teams look, Steve, because most of the time when you're watching Illinois and then having to write about it afterwards, there's just no time to watch the other games.
1: Rutgers in Indiana, Michigan at Penn State. That'll be worth watching at uh, 11 o'clock. Northwestern is at Wisconsin. Uh, Purdue and Ohio State at 2.30 mm-hmm. in Columbus, the spoiler makers.
2: Well, let's see if their passing game can do the thing that it's done in, in, in these big upsets.
1: Look for David Bell to have a big game or, or for, not. yeah, for <laughs> Purdue to be successful. Anyway. Ohio
2: State will be all over him.
1: Yeah, Minnesota at Iowa at 2.30 and Maryland at Michigan State at 3 o'clock. So... The Illinois football team with a little time off and uh, the last time they had a bye week things came out okay the next they sure day did yeah so, so maybe we can uh, well
2: i i you know I, I look the quarterback situation at iowa will will again we'll ask Docterman about it when you have him on the air here at ten o'clock but illinois has i don't want to say been fortunate, but there have been circumstances in a couple of these wins where the opposing quarterback, particularly in the Penn State game, was was not up to 100 percent, and we have to accept that. That doesn't mean that Illinois didn't play really good defense. It just means that they, did, you know, the the quarterback was had rib problems and was trying to do the best he could just to survive. In fact, we didn't even think Clifford would play in that game. So and and so I I think right now Purdue is I mean Iowa is going to its number two quarterback this week against Minnesota. So we'll see where that stacks up by the time they play Illinois. I don't know who I don't know who'll be the quarterback.
1: Well maybe we'll learn more today while watching that game uh, they play for the uh, Floyd of Rosedale trophy one of the great trophy games i guess
2: Yeah, it, if you were if you were looking for a statue to present <laughs> to the winning team after the game would you pick a hog
1: <laughs> well somebody did <laughs> <laughs>
2: I would, guess.
1: would you pick an old oaken bucket too well, that's right <laughs> there's a lot of that's things right. out there like would you pick a cannon so, yeah. The, well, Cannon's a little better. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, somebody got has a spittoon in their uh, trophy game. I forget who has that. that but, <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, 12 minutes after 9 o'clock. This is I Ippella Saturday Sports Talk with uh, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you until 11. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. We'll take our first break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody, to our Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly. Lauren Tate is in the co-pilot seat as we maneuver our way through 11 o'clock here today on the morning after victory number two for the Illini basketball team. And we say good morning to Illini assistant coach, Chester Frazier. Chester, how are you doing this morning, man?
3: Great, great. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing well. A, a nice win last night, 92-53 over Arkansas State. And knowing you as we do, I'm sure you're pretty pleased with uh, the defensive performance uh, through the first two ball games of this team.
3: Yeah, our men played hard last night. Uh, you know, very very, uh good effort on the glass. We uh, contested a lot of shots last night, and really got got underneath the basketball. It's good to have Trent Frazier back. But, you know, total team effort from our group, man. They, they really bought into the defensive end. And we challenged them. Be the best defensive team in the country.
1: Well, you have Kofi out for one more game. Of course, everybody knows that. And you missed uh, a couple of guys in addition to that, three guys in addition to that the first game. But it's giving uh, some other guys a chance to get out there and shine. And they've taken advantage of, of some of those minutes, haven't
3: they? Yeah, we're able to develop our bench, um, you know, get some good minutes for the young guys. And and just showing our total depth, man, I think that's important going forward. You know, um, you look at what Ben uh, Verdonk is doing in in limited minutes, you know, 10 rebounds each game. He's just giving us great effort, playing great post defense. Uh, You know, the young guys are getting good minutes. I I think it's, you know, going forward, even when we get Kofi back, it allows us to, to sustain our effort longer because we play so hard. Now we're able to have more depth.
2: This is Lauren. Would you think uh, that maybe Hawkins has gained something by Kofi's absence? I mean, do you think this gave him more opportunity to to show what he could do? Is that a fair statement?
3: Uh, I think without Kofi, I think his emergence was was apparent this summer. I think he was coming on, coming into his own. But uh, yeah, uh, to answer your question, yes, because he's multi-positional. He's getting minutes at the four and playing some small ball fives. So he's able to you know, exploit mismatches on the perimeter you know, when he's playing the five.
2: Well, tell us about uh, Marquette. What have you, uh, in a, what, what, what advanced information can you tell us about them?
3: Um, They're, they're you know, heavy pick and roll ball club. Uh, obviously, they have a former Big Ten foe in Durham Marcell. Uh He was actually starting mm-hmm. point guard for them. So they have a lot of size, man. They're 6'5, 6'5, 6'8, 6'8, and 6'11 uh, in the starting lineup. Wow! Very aggressive team to the basket. Uh, they play fast. They'll switch defenses. They'll do, you know, shock us back pressing a little bit uh, this year. They'll pick up full court. But they're just an aggressive group, man. They they have a bunch of length on the perimeter. Uh, they're able to switch. Uh, I mean, playing at an unbelievable level. He's shooting the ball well, actually. He's, uh made three threes in each of the first two games. So uh, we got to do a good job of guarding and, Getting back in transition, and I think you know, with our depth and and our defensive toughness, you know, we got to do a good job on him. And obviously, Justin Lewis, who you know, one of their leading returning scores from last year, you know, after they lost a bunch of guys, is playing at a high level, double double in both games. So, we got to do a good job on him as well.
2: Is Marcel? By the way, Marcel, uh, it made the basket to beat Illinois last year for Maryland. Yes, he did. And uh, would you see this as a, a? Trent Fraser' responsibility in that game or is: Can he tackle him? And how? How, by the way, how how much physical contact can he take with that shoulder?
3: Well, you saw him last night. The bucket contact. I mean, he's know, uh, yeah, he's fine. Um, you know, Trent Trent's is responsible as a defender. i coach. Um, It'll be a team effort guard him. He's so big and physical. You know, kid's 6'5", 205, maybe two hundred ten pounds. So we got to do a good job. Uh, corral him in transition uh, limiting his paint touches and swarming the ball when he, when he, when he gets deep
1: <clears throat> Talking to a lot of assistant coach uh, Chester Frazier for the uh, a few more minutes here National Signing Day was uh, Wednesday, you got a couple of signatures on uh, the dotted line there uh, Jaden Epps and Sincere yeah. Harris, tell the folks uh, a little bit about your thoughts on uh, those guys you go back a ways with both, don't you?
3: Yeah, um, both are pretty, pretty good well, guards. Both capable of playing multiple positions in the backcourt. They're primary ball handlers, but can also really score the ball. Um, you know, Jaden is known as a big time scorer. He uh, recently averaged you know, 30, 35 or so points against the overtime elite teams uh, in two games. And he's serious, longer, athletic. You know, really, really good uh, combo. He can play the point, but he's known he can really score the ball. Man, He can get downhill. He's crafty with the ball, good in pick and roll, really athletic. Uh, Both of those guys kind of complement each other. You know, Jaden can play with it and without it, and and sincere as well.
1: Do either one of those guys, uh, do they remind you of anybody else, anybody that might be on the current team or anybody that you have coached in the past?
3: Um. Not, not particularly. Uh, they're both different than anything I've. I've, you know, um, I had a kid named Kamal Stokes at Kansas State. Um, Jaden is stronger, but he's got that same kind of uh, knack for scoring the ball. And here, I just, I mean, if I had to say anybody close, it would be Barry Brown. Just his, his game and how he can attack and get downhill and finish. Uh, very creative with the basketball, but you know, very athletic. I mean, extremely athletic kid, good speed, good pace, and a super, super competitive kid.
2: You talk about uh, as somebody that can handle the ball. Have you seen anything like Corbello? I mean, who does he compare with? Have you have you seen anybody in the past that that makes the plays that he does right now?
3: Um, I'd have to give you some Euro League guys or NBA guys. I mean, that yeah, his vision, his vision is next level. Uh, his pace. You know, you you put him in a pick and roll, he's gonna make something good happen. I mean, he's he's that good passing the basketball, uh, very high IQ player. You know, has a flair for the game. You know, uh, when he keeps the game uh, simple, he's as I mean, he's as good as he's probably the best point guard in America. You know, seven and two assist turnover. One of the turnovers was a you know a pitch ahead that you know just got got ahead of her, but. I mean 7 and 2 we'll take that. I mean he'll probably be more 9 10. We like to get that to 10 11 to three uh assists turnover. I mean he, if he plays that way we're going to be hard to beat.
2: Yeah, you mentioned seven turnovers. There were a couple of them that he made the perfect pass and guys missed easy shots which would have put no, no, you yeah, know. Yeah. There was one yeah. layup I think was missed on that. But uh Correct. and he only played 19 minutes. Now, here's the next question, of course, so you got I got to ask can you get him calmed down as far as what he's saying on the court? That's two technicals in two consecutive games.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know what? Uh, he plays with a ton of emotion, and there's just got to be controlled emotion. He he's smart. He's a smart kid. Um, he plays the game with with the chip on his shoulder. And, he, and, he, and look, man, you know, I don't know what happened last night. I don't know what was said. You know, we we got to be smarter, but. Um, I'm never going to tell him to play with without emotion. I think that's 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 who he is. You know what I mean? Now we just got to do it in the smart way.
2: Well, you know, I thought uh, Underwood kind of took the pressure off of him by, and, and, and like he said, he was sticking up for his guy, and uh, right. it really took the pressure off him by getting a technical technical himself. I know you, this is not something you want to, a policy you want to go forward with, but nevertheless, he definitely took the pressure off of. Uh, Corbella by doing that, and I think it settled everybody down, don't you?
3: Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're all, like I said, we're all in this together, you know, and he's one, Corbella's one of us. And, and you know, Coach Underwood, he coaches with a ton of energy and passion, and, you know, he, he's going to fight for his guys. And, you know, I I salute that, you know. Uh, I thought it was it was perfect, it was necessary. Uh, you know, I'm not going to let anybody bully us, I mean, especially if. And I don't know what was said from the other side on their staff, but, you know, uh, especially if hey, a coach is talking to a player, that's that's not that's not good business.
1: Another minute or two with uh, Chester Frazier. You, of course, had watched uh, Illinois basketball uh, from the time you left, even in other coaching stops. So you had seen uh, the players come and go here, and uh, you had seen Andre Corbello on television, uh now you've worked with him for a few months here in person. Is he uh, better than you thought? Is he more uh, dynamic than you thought going in, having uh, now spent some time with him?
3: No, I mean, I've watched him. I, I've seen him, uh, you know, even in high school. I, I knew how good he was. Uh, knew how smart he was. Uh, when you see the playmaking firsthand is, is when you get, you get in awe of his, his passing ability. You know his ability to get get in the lane and finish at that size I and mean, it's unique he's very unique um you know i think he he uh you know once he once he settles in and starts making shots he's impossible to guard you know is he, it's impossible to stop him. i mean he because he's going to get a paint touch when he feels like it now he's going to make good decisions and now once he's able to click shots consistently i mean he you you're at you're at his mercy at that point
2: uh how how often are you allowed to go out right now? How how much are you able to see the, some of the players that you're you're interested in?
3: It's been um, I mean we're, we're able to get out and get off days and you know it's been hard with you know games back to back you know just playing in, in the season but we'll get out we're, we're able to get out a little bit.
2: Well, I, I mean, is, are there any limitations as you go through the the Christmas period?
3: Um, right now, no. We're in the evaluation period. It's actually starting back today. You know, Obviously, we had the signing period. It was dead, but mm-hmm. we're able to get out now. So we're able to get to some of these Thanksgiving tournaments and holiday tournaments as well.
2: Okay.
1: One guy that uh, Corbello reminds, uh, reminds me of a little bit uh, for you old-timers, Lauren, uh, Curly Neal with the Heart of Trotters, the way <laughs> the way he's got that ball <laughs> on the string, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, Chester, we appreciate your time. Uh Congratulations on the first couple of wins and uh, the first uh, part of a long season is underway and uh, Illini fans are fired up. Another good crowd last night.
3: Yes, sir. Anytime, man. appreciate you guys.
1: You bet. That's Illini right. assistant coach Chester Frazier with us here on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk after that uh, 92-53 to win over Arkansas State. And uh, the other Frazier, Trent, did a nice job defensively on... Uh, a couple of their outstanding guards last night i thought
2: yeah he's really he, he has a ability to avoid uh blocks mm-hmm. when they they set him up and and you know they make it difficult for him and he just managed to wiggle through
1: makes you a little nervous with knowing he's got a sore shoulder yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and he had a i don't know exactly what that uh, shoulder it wasn't a brace that he had on it but he had a
1: a wrap yeah
2: yeah some kind of sleeve a sleeve kind of yeah yeah on the shoulder and mm-hmm.
1: But he came out all right. It is nine twenty nine, Illinois Ipella Saturday sports talk. We'll take our first time out. We'll get Brad Sturdy on the line, talk more Illinois basketball and high school recruiting as well. Stay with us. We're back after this. Hi. Nine thirty, News Talk fourteen hundred, WDWS and ninety-three nine FM. champaign Urbana, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate. With you on Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk, here till 11 o'clock. Phone line is open if you want to jump in. Thanks to Chester Frazier for spending some time with us. On the morning after that, the ball game last night, 92-53, Illini win over Arkansas State. Another guy that was there last night was Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com, and Bradley is up early with us on the phone. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. I Want to get uh, your thoughts, your overall thoughts on last night's game and uh, the first couple of ball games in the books? With Illinois now getting set to uh, go on the road for the first time, what do you think so far?
4: Yeah, was, last night was very impressive. I thought they, um, you know, getting Curbelo and Frazier back is, is is huge. It just really changed the way they play. Um, you know, Arkansas State is not not a bad team. I mean, it would not shock me to see them in the NCAA tournament uh, playing out of the Sun Belt. They have three legit high-major kid type kids, um, and, um, and you know, Illinois did a good job on them. Basically, they can rotate. You know, Trev Frazier being back defensively, you can put him on a guy. He just basically takes that guy out of the game. Um, and so then, you know, up front they did it. I, Benjamin Bosman's srodonk and uh, Omar Payne and Brandon Lee Coleman-Hawkins did a great job defensively on their on their big kid and, and limited what he does. And so, you know, Coleman Hawkins, obviously the breakout kind of guy here. Um we you know, you knew Kofi and you know Corbello and now you had a Coleman Hawkins and um and you know then a Jacob Grandison that's you know, now playing the three, seeming more comfortable in that spot. And you've got a really, really special group uh uh for for the Illini this year.
1: And Grandison is just so steady of Kind of uh, under the radar kind of guy, but when you look up, he's he's one of those glue guys as well.
4: Yeah, definitely. I think he's where, where Jacob Grandison's made huge strides is on the defensive end uh, from when he started. He is such a so much better defensively than he was the beginning of a year uh, a year ago. And then um, you know, and then obviously Trent Frazier. We we sometimes we talk we forget how good Trent Frazier really is on both ends of the floor. He can also he can score and he can. Uh, uh, defend. He was a great defender. Arguably, maybe the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten uh, this year.
2: Well, Illinois finished last season as the number one team in the Big Ten. I don't think anybody would argue with that after they won the the tournament and they entered. The, you know, and, and they entered the NCAA tournament in, in great shape. Can this team be better without I.O. and without Miller?
4: Yeah, I, I think they have more weapons. Um, they're they're you know another year older. You have guys who are more. Um, You have more depth, I think, uh, more weapons, more guys you can score. The addition of a guy, you know, we talked about this last year, I think a few times, they didn't really have that power forward. Well, now they have one, and he's been really good. Uh, and he, he rebounds, he blocks shots, he, he passes the ball, he, he scores, um, you know, if they can make free throw, they'd be even better, but, <laughs> but you've also added some front court depth, uh, you know, healthy Benjamin Bosman's dunk, and Omar Payne, you know, on the defensive end that can, it can do some things that really help, you know, when they spell Kofi and, um, this team has a lot of pieces, and then you add another piece in Alfonso Plummer, who can really knock down shots and um, from the perimeter. And, and he's been actually better than I expected. He hasn't made the shots yet, but he's been better than I expected on the defensive end, and also, you know, kind of handling the ball, because um, that was a question mark for him. And so, this this team has a chance to be really good, and and they they have some freshmen that are talented. But they don't, re- they don't need any of them right now. I mean, you know, for, for more than just a, a few minutes here or there. So that's when you know you're, you're, you're pretty good when you don't rely on any freshmen.
2: Well, so far, they haven't shot the ball well. That's the interesting thing. They are 5 out of 25 on threes last night, which is very poor for, for a team with this many good shooters. And they missed 15 free throws. 15. I mean, uh, I, don't you, wouldn't you think that this is going to be a good shooting team?
4: Yeah, I, I do. I, I think you've got guys who are proven. You know, Plummer's a career 40% shooter from three. Um, you know, Trent's a good shooter. You know, you know, Jacob Grandison's a good shooter. You've got, you know, and Hutcherson's still out, so he's another good shooter. And you know, Coleman Hawkins, we know can shoot. And you start to put all this together. You know, maybe you know, question is Carbello is he is he gonna shoot well? Up? I thought his shot looked pretty good last night. I know he was 0 for four from three, but I thought he took three. One of them he forced was kind of a wild shot, but I thought three of them were just, you know, good shots, and they went in and out. But, I mean, his his form looked solid. He didn't look rushed. So, yeah, I think they're going to shoot the ball fine. I think it's just a matter of, you know, getting their legs there too. You know, DeMonte missed a couple of short last night, um, and, and, you know, he led the nation in three-point shooting a year ago. So he hasn't really gotten on track yet. And so I'm I'm not really concerned about it because it will it'll regress to the mean. I mean, you know, eventually, you know, they're not going to shoot 20% for the year. Um, they're going to be up in that 35% range. And so one of these games, they're probably going to have a 14-for-25 night and take even it all out.
2: You know, looking at Hawkins' numbers, it's really amazing when you look across the line. He had six offensive rebounds. The team had 24, which is the second most in the last decade. He had four blocks, 17 points, but he drew 10 fouls which what's indicate when you're drawing fouls? That means you're out playing the guys that you're playing against. I mean, that's that's just what it means. And he was just five out of seven from the field. He only took seven shots and made seventeen points. So, boy, those numbers are just they just jump off the page.
4: Yeah, just think if he wasn't like I think he was seven of thirteen from the line, including missing two front ends. Yeah. So that's essentially seven out of fifteen. So if he makes you know, 11 out of 15. Now you're at 21 points on seven, on his you know seven shots. So, yeah, he he had a really impressive game and and he's going to he's too good a shooter to miss those free throws, so I think he's going to get uh better there, but he does so many things. His length is really people he is so long. You know, he's 6'10", 6'11" with a great wingspan and his ability to get out and contest shots, block shots is is really important. Now you have he if you have him and Payne or him and Kofi defending the rim, it's really hard for teams to score around the basket. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's going to be impressive. Uh, I think defensively, I think they can be even better than they were a year ago.
1: Talking basketball with Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com. One thing that impressed me about uh, Hawkins when he was in that a little bit of a foul-shooting funk, missing the first end of a couple of uh, one-and-ones, he came right back. On the other end, and blocked a shot, and saved the ball from going out of yep. bounds, or hit a hit a basket on the other end. So he he wasn't uh, hanging his head or anything else. He was, he just kept hustling.
4: He's got great energy, doesn't he? I mean, he's a guy who just gives it, you know, hundred percent effort. He's got a great you know energy, a great vibe about him. Uh, I'm sure that he's one of those guys. that I'm sure other teams will will hate him. Like I mean, other I mean, other fans are going to hate him because he's so demonstrative and so energetic and things like that. But man, he is great when he's on your team. He is the kind of guy you want on your team. Um, just in, I think he's he's been a he's been the breakout guy in these first two games.
1: One more game without Kofi coming up Monday at Marquette, first road game of the season. Uh, what do you look for in that one?
4: Yeah, it's going to be tougher. They're going to play a team that has more size, uh, a team that you know matches up a little bit better from a size standpoint. Uh, I don't think Marquette is a great offensive team, um, but they they will guard. Uh, they will defend. They will make it a little tougher on Illinois um, to get these uh, to get in the paint and and to, you know, and they're going to have to execute a little better offensively and. Uh, So I I think that's a, it's a great test. I mean, and you know, we, we talk, you you look at Kofi and you, you don't want to see him sit out three games because you want to see that kid on the floor because he's one of the most exciting players in the country. But at the same time, you know, maybe you, you, if you show you can win at Marquette here and on Monday, you you really kind of announce that, you know, Hey, we're really good. And and that's without Kofi. Uh, We're going to be really good when he comes back. And so, this is uh, it's an opportunity. I, I think that they've done a great job, the other guys, of saying, hey, we're not going to take this as a, you know, as like a slap in the face. We're just going to say it's an opportunity for us to show that we're really good, and then we had Kofi, and now we're really, really good.
2: Have you heard anything about how Shaka Smart is playing at Marquette? Is he, is he doing any full-court stuff like he was uh, you know, what, known for years ago?
4: I watched them the other night. They did a little – not as much. Not as much uh, because I don't think they have the depth that he wants to do that right now. I think that's something he's going to try and do. I think if Illinois didn't have Corbello and Frazier, he would have done that for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had a lot of full-court pressure. But but I, I think you're going to see him. They're going to play. They're going to get up in your grill. They're going to change. They're going to play um, some various defenses. Um Kind of change things up a little bit. And, you know, he wants to guard, and and that's something they've done well. I think it's going to be more of the half court pressure. I wouldn't be shocked if there aren't a couple times when they slap some full court stuff on, but um, Illinois is probably with their ability to pass the ball with, when you have Bellow and Frazier out there, it's, it's, they're going to be hard to pressure um, because, you know, even Hawkins being so skilled and Grandison three, if you move DeMonte to three, whatever, you've got guys who can really do some, uh, handle the ball against pressure. And so it's not a, I don't think that's going to be a, a huge issue. Um, most of the turnovers Illinois gets are when they just kind of get a little lackadaisical or try things that aren't, aren't available, you know, force things a little
1: bit. What's new out on the recruiting trail? Two uh, NILs signed this week. We know about those guys. Uh, Tell us something new uh, about guys that are still on the board. Did you say two NIL guys? (laughs) Did I? -I. (laughs) NLI? Between the NIL and the NLI. They can
4: get their NIL next year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they Ty, Ty Rogers, of course, who is the, pri- le- the priority left on the board in 2022. Kid who was originally from, uh, Grand Blanc, Michigan, um, who has moved to Harvey Thornton High School. He and his coach, Ty Streets, uh, from Mean Streets program and also at Thornton, uh, were at the game last night. Um, so Illinois, it was huge getting him on campus. He's a top 50 wing, uh, six, seven kid who is just, he is the epitome of what Brad Underwood once as an everyday guy that he is a kid who just brings it all the time high energy high effort high athleticism uh player he, he's a great compliment to uh, harrison epps and, and to what they have right now and you know, he's a kid who can play anywhere from two to four um down the road and just uh would would be a huge get i think in a really good spot there so we'll we'll see what happens but Illinois, michigan state seem to be the final two and um they're hoping that he'll uh pull the trigger here this uh this week and make it make uh, everything official.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, is he close to to doing that? You think?
4: I think so. I think he, he's. You know, I think he's uh, at the end of the process. You know, he. You know, this is a uh, you know great only great job getting him on campus uh, one more time um, for this game and getting to see everything. Uh, you know, firsthand and kind of see what's happening, how the players interact, interact with the coaches. Of course, Tim Anderson's done a lot of the heavy lifting here. Tim Anderson is, uh, you know, with the Mean Streets program. He's had some involvement there and he and Ty Streets are, uh, you know, very, very close. So this is, uh, you know, this is a great, um, you know, this, this would be a great get for Illinois if they can lock him up. It really makes this class, um, I think probably one of it's the top three in the Big Ten and top, Top fifteen nationally, and if you keep stacking classes like that, you're you're going to have some uh, success.
2: If if Kofi does not return, and by the way, there's still a chance that he could, if if things work out for him, uh, nil wise, <laughs> <laughs> national letter of intent. Okay, I got to get those straight. Nil. Uh, do you see a possibility that he might be back next year? If if they, if as I say, if this. In I O brings the kind of kind of money that they're talking about.
4: Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think um, especially you know, the, the, there's a lot of kids. I mean, especially a kid like him because he's not an NBA fit right now. I mean, teams don't you you don't see many guys like him in the NBA, and so finding a finding a role, you know, if you want to be a, BA, it's conceivable that Kofi could make as much money. Uh, while playing at illinois especially you if you let's say illinois goes to the final four next year and and he comes back and he's the preseason national player of the year he's he's on every magazine cover he is i mean you're talking about a guy who could really be you know be like a you know make five hundred thousand dollars or something like something crazy like that as a as a college and and be a be the dominant force and it doesn't you know if you can make that kind of money and and you know, I I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it'd be hard to say no to that, as opposed to playing in the G League or something like that part of the time. So, I, I think it depends on what he finds out. You know, how he's developed in those other areas that they told him to work on. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's always possible. I mean, you 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 have, I mean, it's it's a different world. Um, you know, if you're not a first round pick or a lottery pick, where you have guaranteed money yeah, uh, sometimes it, it makes sense to, uh, you know, to stay or to leave or to stay instead of leaving. I, I think Io made a good decision, even though he didn't go in the first round. It's worked out really well for him. Um, he get, went to the right spot, and he's in a good position and doing well. But, you know, every kid's going to be different, and Kofi's a kid who could really be, uh you know, could be a, you know, who knows. He, he's actually, you realize he's got, um this is the crazy part, he's got this year, he could stay two more years. He's yep. still got two more years. So yeah, last year doesn't count. After the, yep. Yep, exactly. So that'd be pretty wild. He'd be like 25-year-old uh, guy. So he'll have like 1,500 rebounds and and 2,000 points at that yeah,
1: point. Yeah, he'd set records that would never be topped. Yep. Hey, Brad, appreciate yeah. your time. Keep up the good work with uh, you and the other guys at com, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
4: Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me.
1: You bet. That's Brad Sturdy, everybody, from com. As we approach 945, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll visit with a guy who uh, got his career started in broadcasting right here on uh, these airwaves. Steve Lehman will join us from Nashville, Tennessee, coming up after this. Stay with us. On I my fellow Saturday sports talk back in a moment. Welcome back to the show. 948 is the time on illinois Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. No Illinois football game today, the second open week of uh, the season coming up. And actually has been coming up all week. The Illini back in action a week from today at 1 o'clock in Iowa City against the Hawkeyes who play Minnesota coming up this afternoon. On the line from our Nashville, Tennessee Bureau the uh, chief at the bureau down there, Steve Lehman, is with us. Laymo, how you doing this morning?
5: Good. It's a small, quiet bureau on <laughs> a Saturday morning. <laughs> well, I'm that's... doing great. How are you guys? And by the way, happy belated birthday to Mr.
1: Oh, man. It just goes on and on. <laughs> he had more parties last week, Steve, than uh, you could keep up with. Uh, you had to have a, a tracker of the, of his parties to find out where he was.
5: <laughs> well, when you turn 35, it, it's time to have a big party. So <laughs> That's right. I, I know Lauren did it up well.
1: <laughs> well, Steve Lehman uh, working in TV in Nashville for the last, uh, what, over a decade now? You have, have you been there that long?
5: I've been here for coming up on 11 years, yeah.
1: Okay. And uh, began his career at the University of Illinois and working here on Sports Talk with us. And you added something else. Uh, you weren't busy enough, I guess. You're going to be the play-by-play man for the Belmont basketball team located there in Nashville, a team that's been in the NCAA tournament in the past. Tell us how that came about.
5: Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, actually. I've been good friends with the basketball coaching staff over there for a long time, a lot of great people at Belmont University, and have always been around college basketball going back to my days at Illinois and certainly love the sport, and basically, uh, we've had a few discussions in the past, but it never totally worked with my TV schedule to be able to commit to them to be able to give 30 games a year or whatever it needs to be to do all their broadcasts. Well, about a week ago, the guy who was their play-by-play guy in the middle of the season got offered a chance to go back to his alma mater, which is Virginia, and become the play-by-play guy of the Virginia Cavaliers. And so that put Belmont on very short notice in need of a broadcaster. And so we were able to come together and figure out a way to make most of the games work. I can't, I can't promise them every single game of the season based off some other obligations with TV, but I'll be in most of them and I'm fired up to get going this afternoon.
1: Well, you're in a pro city as well as a college town. So that uh, makes you a little bit uh, busier yet. So you've got to prioritize, I guess, uh, in covering uh, this time of year the uh, Tennessee Titans and whatever else might be going on there hockey and all that
5: Yeah well and the Titans right now are the number 1 team in the AFC and certainly a Super Bowl contender even with Derrick Henry out with a broken foot so that is by far the biggest story in not just Nashville but the state of Tennessee and some might say the Southeast region at the moment so that's where most of my focus throughout the week is and You throw in the Predators, we have a really good Major League Soccer team that's just about to start the playoffs here in a few nights as well. And so you have got all that going on. you have got Tennessee's resurgence under Josh Heifel. They've got a good basketball team with Rick Barnes, Vanderbilt obviously here in town. And this Belmont team, boys, to maybe be the best they've ever had. They they have a lot of excitement for the team they bring back. So there's a lot of things going on down here right now that people are pretty excited about in the sports
2: I'm going to bring you back to the SEC football. Do you see anything that's going to prevent Georgia and Alabama from ultimately waiting for the, uh, competing for the championship?
5: Simple answer, no, Lauren. I, I think those two teams are going to be in Atlanta, and they're going to play in the game that we've all kind of been anticipating and wanting to see all season long. I do think Georgia, if it has a shot to slip up at all, it's today on Rocky Top against Tennessee, simply because of the way Tennessee plays. Tennessee snaps the ball more frequently than anybody in the country. They average basically three plays per 60 seconds under Josh Heifel. And because of that, they have the tendency to get a big play, get an X play, rack up yards in a hurry. I don't know if you saw any part of their game a couple weeks ago at Kentucky, but they essentially had the ball – for fourteen minutes in the game. Way outclassed in terms of time of possession. They scored forty five points in fourteen minutes. I I mean it was they'd go three and out, but the next possession they'd hit a seventy five yard touchdown pass, and that was what the entire game was. I think because of the way they play offense. Now Georgia's a totally different caliber of defense. But I think there's a shot that Tennessee hits a couple of home runs today and puts up 14, 20 points, something like that, which nobody's been able to do against Georgia. And then the question is, can Georgia and that offense score more than that? I suspect that they will. But I I do think Georgia maybe has a challenge today just because of the way Tennessee plays offense. It's not traditional in any
2: sense. Well, the folks in Cincinnati are pulling for Georgia all the way. If Georgia can just finish undefeated going into the Final Four – that means that there might be a slot for Cincinnati to replace Alabama. Of course, that's a that's a that's a long way off, but I mean that is a major consideration right now, don't you think?
5: Oh, absolutely. And uh, look, uh, people were upset. I think not down in this part of the country, but up in Big Ten country, and certainly in Cincinnati, that Alabama would start number two in the football playoff committee's rankings despite having a loss. Well, there were other teams directly behind them that people thought maybe deserved it more, Cincinnati certainly being one of them that was unbeaten. But here's the deal. It's going to work itself out. You know, if Alabama goes to Atlanta and beats Georgia, then there's no doubt that the Crimson Tide belong in the playoff. And Georgia probably belongs in the playoff as well, and then the SEC gets two teams. But if they go to Atlanta and Georgia wins, then I don't see any way that Alabama makes it in with two losses. And and so then all those teams that are crying foul right now, they're going to have their opportunity. So I I think that's what you're looking at, and I do hope that if Cincinnati can run the table and stay unbeaten, that the committee gives them their shot. I think if you want to complain about one thing right now, it's where they've been ranked up to this point. So we'll see how that plays itself out, because there's not a lot of meat left on the schedule for Cincinnati The part of the schedule that set them apart was beating Indiana, although that didn't turn out to be as good of a win as they hoped going into the year, going to Notre Dame and winning. Those early season games out of conference is what Cincinnati was hoping would be its calling card. It hasn't played out to be that, at least in the eyes of the committee up to this point. We'll see if just going unbeaten the rest of the way will be enough.
1: Talking to Steve Lehman, where do you stand on – playoff expansion, what would you like to see it at?
5: I think I'd love to see it, Steve, just because of what we're talking about. Cincinnati would be in if we go to eight or 12 teams or something like that. And you don't have to worry about the metrics or what type of schedule they played. They would have just proven it on the field and had the chance to go in and then prove it there. And so I want to see that happen. I also just think the more games you get, that are championship caliber makes the sport better. In some ways, I think the fact that it's just four teams has cheapened what is the most expensive regular season in all of sports. Everybody always talks about how every game matters in college football. I'm not sure that's completely true right now because you get down to the four and Alabama's still there or, or whatever it is. I think if you get out to an eight-team or a 12-team playoff, you're going to find that you have the best teams there. And, you know, the difference between 8 and 9 or 12 and 13, I'm a little less concerned about that than 4 and 5. Because I think 4 and 5, that team probably has a shot to pull off an upset and maybe win the whole thing at the end of the day. If you get to 13, I'm less interested in hearing that argument. So I'd like to get out that far because then I think you're going to have all the true contenders in the field and they're going to have a chance to
1: play it out. I know that you uh, keep in touch and uh, listen to our broadcasts on uh, Illinois football and basketball and when you have time. But your thoughts on the Illinois football season uh, to this point, the Illini with a chance to uh, pull a couple of wins out of the hat here maybe late and qualify for a bowl game if they can get that done. But uh, your thoughts on what you've seen in Brett Bielma's first year thus far.
5: Yeah, and and the way they play on the road against top 20 teams, they're going to be favored next week in Iowa City, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah. That's
5: that's just what they've done here as of late. I I tell you what, guys, I was a little disappointed at the start of the season after that Nebraska game at just the way they kind of played, maybe adjusted in some of the things that they did, and obviously coming up short by essentially a play two or three different times because I thought – That really cost them a chance to get to the postseason this year, given what the schedule in front of them was. But I tell you what, when they went into the bye week the last time, the Penn State, I think the adjustments that the coaching staff made and the way they came out in that game, and then the way the players responded with physicality and toughness and going right at Penn State, that was one of the more impressive things I've seen from an Illinois football team. I know it was disappointing to come back and lose the game against Rutgers, but then to go to Minnesota and play with that same type of physical identity again, I think you're seeing what Brett Bielema wants to do with Illinois football. And it's about being tough in the trenches. It's about winning the line of scrimmage. And if you can do that, you can make up for some of the things where you maybe don't have the four- and five-star guys on the outside like a Penn State does. But if you can win in the trenches, and that's going to be the calling card, I think, for Brett Bielema football at Illinois, you've got a shot to beat just about anybody in the Big Ten Conference. I've really liked what I've seen the last couple of weeks, and we'll see if they can pull that rabbit out of the hat, so to speak, Steve, down the stretch here, and maybe still sneak into that bowl game. But I think if you're an Illini football fan, there's a lot of positives here to be thinking good things for the future under Brett Bielema.
1: Lamo, we appreciate your time. Who does Belmont have uh, today, this afternoon?
5: The Evansville Purple Aces playing their third game in five days. So this this one should be one that Belmont gets to the win column. And then they've got a really tough one on Monday night against Furman, who, of course, pulled off a huge win last night. So that'll be one that's on the mid-major radar that I think everybody should pay attention to.
1: Well, always great to... Catch up with you. We'll let you get going on a long, uh, busy day. Congratulations on your new part-time gig to go with uh, the other stuff you do in uh, in uh, television and radio. And uh, g- always good to visit with you. Thanks, Steve.
5: Thanks, guys. Great to see you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: You bet. That's Steve Layman down in Nashville. By the way, um, Belmont plays at EIU on New Year's Day. I believe it is. All yeah, so right. He'll be back in the neighborhood, so to speak. It is uh, 10 o'clock here on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. First hour in the books. Hour number two is coming up. We'll turn the attention to some uh, Big Ten football conversation. Scott Docterman will join us from Iowa City. He covers the Hawkeyes for the Athletic. And Illinois radio analyst Martin O'Donnell will check in as well. Back with the hour number two after this.
0: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the program, everybody. We're headed towards 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Here on News Talk 1400, DWS and 93.9 FM. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Happy to be with you. We've got a little bit of a day off today. Uh, In a way, no Illinois football game to cover. The Illini having the open week this week, Uh, but there is... College football in the Big Ten uh, stage, and the Iowa Hawkeyes playing at home against the Minnesota. Of course, Iowa is up next for the Fighting Illini next Saturday in Iowa City. Scott Docterman is there to cover that ballgame and to take a few minutes to talk with us. Good morning, Scott. How are you?
6: Hey, great, Steve and Lauren. How are you today?
1: We're hanging in there. You got to some football, November football weather in Iowa City today, I would guess.
6: Yeah, I had a little bit of flurries yesterday, and um, that kind of persisted most of the day. Nothing stuck, of course, but but yeah, it's uh, going to be in the 30s. It's a little breezy, so perfect for an Iowa-Minnesota football game.
2: You don't have to rake your yard, just let the wind blow it into your neighbor's yard. Have you tried that?
6: I wish. <laughs> I wish. I actually got up in my backyard because of yesterday's wind. My backyard was completely uh, uh, drenched with our leaves, so we decided uh, because we have the big vacuum cleaner that comes through the neighborhood on Monday, I'm like, all right, we better get this done. So my <laughs> wife and I spent a good hour and a half this morning putting that out there.
1: Well, the problem I have with my leaves was the rain on Thursday made the rest of them come down and made them too heavy to blow away, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. at, yes. at least for a while. Let's, let's talk football. What, uh, what's the situation with the Hawkeyes at quarterback? What, uh, how do you size up their ball game today?
6: Well, quarterback is interesting because uh you know for most of the season of course Spencer Petras was the starter and uh, the results were marginal, I would say probably a little below average in what you'd want out of uh, the the offense in general but maybe out of quarterback and then he got hurt at, at Wisconsin. Uh hurt his shoulder and going into last week's game against Northwestern, uh he he worked with the first team but he was pretty hurt and uh Alex Padilla was also working with the first team. And then finally when uh, uh, the game took place, Spencer Petras threw two passes that just couldn't even meet, you know, get halfway to the receiver, and it was like, all right, you got to get this guy out of there. And Padillo came in and and had a really good game for his first meaningful action. Uh, he was 18 to 28, 172 yards. Uh, was able to hit some receivers down the field. I think for the most part, um, they're pretty confident in what he can do. He's a little bit different. He's a lot different, actually. But, than uh, Petrus because he's he's about four inches shorter but he can move um, which Spencer can't and then uh, he's pretty accurate with the football now he doesn't have nearly ex- the experience and as far as changing coverages and or changing plays and and uh, protections that you know he's pretty uh, pretty much a novice there but by and large there's a lot of confidence in him and I think that really spills over to the playmakers the receivers and the running backs. And I think that, uh, that the Iowa offense really needed that jolt. So, um, you know, whether that translates into tangible, positive results for the Hawkeyes, we don't know. But I think that right now it's, it's been a positive development, at least from the mental
5: perspective for the Hawkeyes.
2: Well, did uh, Illinois take any of the spunk out of Minnesota? <laughs> and they, they came in, there were some pretty good statistics, and Illinois basically uh, dominated, almost shut them out. What, what, what do you yeah. see happening today?
6: I think you might see a comparable game. I mean, I know Illinois scored two touchdowns pretty early and then uh, you know, played you know, kickball for the rest of the game, both teams, until the end, very, very end. And, and you look at Minnesota, and they're down to, what, four, number four or five running back. They've got a mm-hmm. big offensive line. Iowa's defensive line is still, it's still pretty inexperienced, but it's not bad. It's pretty good. It, and, and I'll say this, that in another year or two, it'll be fantastic. But the strength is the pass defense. And, it, it, and very much so at linebacker, and definitely in the secondary. So that's going to really turn Minnesota one-dimensional. I think. I think they're going to try to pound the ball and play, uh, you know, field possession football. Well, Iowa is much better than that because Iowa has a great punter. Iowa has a much better field goal kicker, and the defense will pre- probably prevent them from getting big plays down the field. So my anticipation is that Iowa will slow them down off uh, their offense down to similar levels to what Illinois did. You know, my question is, what does Iowa's offense do against Minnesota's defense? And I think that remains to be seen because I'm not just not sure what um, Alex Padilla is capable of. If he's capable of, of leading a couple of drives like he did last week against Northwestern, then I think this could be a somewhat decisive win for the Hawkeyes. Um, but it, both teams are motivated. This is, a, this is a staunch rivalry game. They play for one of the iconic traveling trophies in college football, and, and it matters. So... I think Iowa wins, but I think it's going to be a very physical, hard-fought game.
2: You know, we probably haven't followed Wisconsin more lately since they've gotten obviously stronger. What's changed about Wisconsin since they started, other than they they had some tough games early, but they started 1-3 and now they're on a win streak and they seem to be more dominant. They certainly beat Iowa more... By a larger margin than I anticipated. What would you say has happened with Wisconsin?
6: I think really with them, it was a matter of their turnover margin that hmm. they they've stopped turning over the ball. And like going into that game, I was I think I want to say they were plus sixteen or plus twelve, and Illinois I mean uh, Wisconsin was minus eight. And I thought okay, and their passing game isn't very good, and it still is not very good. Uh, so I figured, okay, they're going to turn them over. It's going to be a close game. Iowa's going to pull it out. Well, what what happened was Iowa turned the ball over repeatedly, and it, there were unforced errors. You know, you had a, a backup punt returner in there because the the starting punt returner was really good. Had got poked in the eye, and the backup drops the ball. They they had three turnovers inside their own twenty, and only one of them was really a forced error. You know, one was a a guy um, Ivory Kelly Martin who's was the backup running back. He's not any longer. You know, just merely dropping the handoff in the end zone, and Wisconsin picked it at the one. So there were uh, – I would not play very well offensively, clearly. The defense played pretty hard for all things being considered. Uh, so, you know, that score probably would not indicate what the true game is, but at the same time, that's the way it turned out. I think Wisconsin is, has the best defense in the league, uh, I think it has a pretty good running game, although it lost uh, what Ches uh, Malusi for the rest of the season. So now they're down to Braylon Allen, a 17-year-old. That's kind of a challenge for them. Uh, but and their passing game is still weak. So I, I think that though they should win today against Northwestern, I think they'll win against Nebraska because Nebraska is, I don't. I don't see them putting up much of a fight the rest of the year. And then, uh, but I am interested to see how they compete with Minnesota at the end, as we know that's a huge rivalry game and it's in the Twin Cities.
1: Talking to Scott Docterman from the Athletic in Iowa City, the Hawkeyes one of four teams in the Big Ten West at four and two, so that the uh, Big Ten West Championship still on the line. The Hawkeyes would need some help, but uh, they need to take care of their own business, obviously first. With uh, the Minnesota today, Illinois next week, and uh, Nebraska to wrap things up. Uh, how do you how do you think that's? Uh, you have no way of knowing how it's going to turn out, but uh, do you like the Hawkeyes' chances and? They don't don't they don't get a shot again at teams that have uh, have beaten them. But how do you uh, size it up going down the stretch?
6: I think you look at Iowa's chances, and at least on paper, you have to like them. I mean, you know, they're they're playing Minnesota at home. They haven't lost to Minnesota at home since nineteen ninety nine. Uh, you know, nine straight wins here, and and uh, I think the matchups favor Iowa next week against Illinois. It's been about twenty years or thereabouts since the line I have won here, and. And I think that's a decent matchup. That doesn't mean they can't lose either one of those games. Absolutely. But I think it'd be close and physical and hard fought in both of them. But I I like Iowa's chances and certainly would on paper. And then finally with Nebraska, you know, has there been a more enigmatic team that we've ever seen than Nebraska where you could legitimately look at all seven of their losses and think if they did this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. and it's not too far fetched that they could have won any of those games. However, They've lost seven games by their own ineptness in a lot of ways. They're not very well coached, in my opinion, and uh, they've made a lot of mistakes, stupid mistakes that have cost them a chance to to go to a bowl game and and then to fire all of their you know all but one of their offensive assistants in their bye week, and they still got to play Wisconsin and Iowa. That's ridiculous. I mean, what do you tell those players that your season doesn't matter? That the rest of your you know season is is just there to finish out the string and move on. I mean, you know, as we know, those players are form really close bonds with those assistant coaches. And, and I can't think of a team that I would rather play less than Wisconsin without having a full complement of offensive coaches. I mean, that defense is legitimate. It, and, and they are the type of team we all know that you better be prepared mentally to play or they will run you over. And uh, so I, I don't think they'll fare very well in that one. And who knows what their mental frame will be against the Hawkeyes at the end. I would say that odds aren't real good. Before this, I would have said, I think Nebraska has a chance to upset Iowa. But now I would say probably not. So, you know, I would say the odds are probably a little bit in favor of Iowa going undefeated the rest of the way and finishing 10-2. I think Purdue probably loses today to, to Ohio State. And, and Wisconsin will definitely be favored the next two. And going to the Twin Cities... You never know what will happen there. Usually Wisconsin pulls out a win, but this year it might be a little different. So um, I think Iowa has a decent chance, but, but certainly they're relying upon other teams, and that's not exactly what we thought of about a month ago.
2: Scott Docterman, do you see anything developing with regard to the divisional makeup? There's always complaints by the folks on the in the East that the West is not as strong and it's not fair to have all these – Good teams, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, in that division. Do you see anything changing uh, in the future?
6: Yeah, I think in two years. Next year, the, the schedule will remain the same, except there have got to be six different games that flip locations, so they're going to resynchronize the schedule. But it'll still stay a nine game schedule, still stay East West divisions. They are discussing in two, 2023 whether they flip to, um, you know, whether they. Everything is on the table, let's just put it that way. It could remain exactly the same. Chances are they're at least going to go to an eight-game league schedule instead of nine because of the alliance. And then on top of that, uh, there there has been discussion, I know I've written about it, uh, about possibly every team picking, say, three permanent rivals you play every year and then going through the other ten teams in the league two years on, two years off. And that way you get to play everybody, and then you, you eliminate a lot of those factors. Now, granted, that'll be tough to decide who goes to the championship game and what have you, but uh, that is some of it. And really, Penn State is the one that's pushed it more than anybody else. Uh, you know, I, I think Ohio State doesn't really care, and then the Michigan schools are kind of up and down themselves. But Penn State's had this narrative. Well, even this year, uh, right now, the East leads 10 to 8, and it's usually pretty close among the leagues. I mean, I think over the course of the Geographical play going into this year, it was like 66-60, East over West, and a lot. And I think it was uh, Ohio State was like 15 and two. So you know, you take Ohio State out of it, it's really really close.
2: Yeah, and the 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 upsets by Illinois and uh, Illinois and Purdue have certainly uh, changed those numbers. But uh, I I just wonder if uh, here's my thought: if you're going to have six games in your own division. Why did the games that you play in the other division count toward who plays in the playoff? Mm -hmm. Is that a fair question? That's a great
6: question. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think that, if nothing else, should be part of the tiebreaker. I'll I'll give you an example. Two years ago, when uh, Minnesota had a really soft uh, crossover schedule, I think Wisconsin Mm -hmm. did as well, and and Iowa had uh, Michigan and Penn State when they both were pretty good, mm-hmm. and they lost both of those two games, and then they lost by two points to, to Wisconsin, uh, and they were six and three in the Big Ten, and the other two uh, were seven and two, Minnesota and Wisconsin, and it made Iowa, if nothing else, look worse. And, and you know, they, even though they were only a game out, and you know, it reflected in the final rankings. Even though they had beaten Minnesota, they re- were ranked lower because of that one extra loss. So you know, there's there's something to be said for that. And I don't know where they're going to go going forward. I, I know that there are schools that everybody wants to protect and, and play every year or with high frequency. And then there are some that, you know, people don't really care to play if it, at all. And, and so, you know, like what, Illinois played Rutgers for the last six years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, I'm sure that's one of those you don't circle on the calendar, but Northwestern probably is, maybe Purdue, certainly, you know, Iowa might be in that category, Wisconsin. So it'll be, but, you know, you also look at some of the other factors, like Illinois not playing in Bloomington in, what, 10 years or something like that and, that, and it's only three hours away. So those are some things they're really looking at to try to make sure that everything adds up and measures out pretty evenly.
1: We'll let you go with this. What have you learned about the Iowa basketball team through a couple of uh, blowout wins to start the season?
6: Not a whole lot. I mean, their non-conference schedule is outside of the ACC Big Ten Challenge is a joke. Uh, they're playing eight non-conference teams at home, and they had an average net of 304 from last year. Uh, so they're playing absolutely nobody at home, and that includes my alma mater, Western
1: Illinois. And
6: I, I, I don't, I don't know that you can take anything away from it. I think Keegan Murray is going to be a very good player, and Jordan Bohannon has done a nice job transitioning over from the point to the shooting guard position. Uh, and and they they're just really trying to work on things more so. But I don't know we can take a lot from it. And then until we see them play Virginia and, and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and then of course purdue and illinois to start the the big 10 season in early december i don't know what to expect from this team i i don't know if they're good if they're not if they're you know what so i i just i don't like what they did scheduling wise i think it it's rough on the fans who weren't even there last year to expect them to go and sit and pay good money to watch them play at north carolina central and, and some of these other teams
2: um <laughs> North Carolina Central (laughs) this seemed like I heard of them they just played the women and the uh, Illinois women dominated (laughs) (laughs) but uh, And any uh, how many McCaffreys are going to be in the starting lineup I guess is my question All of them, (laughs) no. All Uh, of them? Only one.
6: Yeah. Uh, No, Uh, Patrick McCaffrey, the younger one, is a starter. He's a forward. Connor McCaffrey has now become kind of like their sixth man, which is probably a great role for him because he can play four positions, anything from point all the way to power forward, and can do so many different things that I think it's probably – it's in the best interest of the team that he does that and does that role. And Patrick McCaffrey is a much more explosive scorer on the perimeter and is a, is a, is a power-forward type. So, uh, so yeah, only one, but they'll both probably carry about the same number of minutes.
2: Well, let me just say that it's been our honor to listen to the most knowledgeable person in the Big Ten. Thank you very much, Scott Doctorman. <laughs>
6: Well, thank you so much, Lauren. It's been a honor talking to you and Steve this morning. And I hope all is well and look forward to seeing you guys in person next week. I just
1: hope that with all those numbers that you've got in your mind that you don't miss any anniversaries or birthdays or anything like that.
6: <laughs> you know, it's not not those, but it but certainly when I go to the store I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I forgetting today?
2: <laughs> just just remember this. Don't step on the rake on the wrong side. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> almost did that today
2: <laughs> hey
1: Scott, thanks a lot, always good to talk to you
7: alright, thanks so much see ya,
1: now Scott Doctorman, he works for the Athletic covering the Iowa Hawkeyes, it's ten we're back after this with an open line if you'd like to join us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk it ten twenty three. 10-23 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, with you here until 11, by the way If you've been uh, thinking about replacing windows and doors, Illini Pella is the place to be. I was in there last week looking for a new storm door for my house and uh, talked to Mike Mary and Luke Mary and the other guys in there. And uh, they've got plenty to choose from. uh, And a trip to the showroom on uh, North Country Fair Drive, 1001 North Country Fair Drive is the best way to go about it. They've got things right in stock there for you to see. And I will tell you, though, because of the uh, supply shortage and just about everything these days, uh, you might want to think down the road a little bit if you're looking for new windows and doors. It may take a while to get them in. But the folks at uh, Alana Ipella Windows and Doors do things the right way. They've been around, around a long time in this community. A lot of things to consider when replacing windows and doors, things like security, comfort, and convenience, and The Pella Window Store has, as I mentioned, many examples on the showroom floor and all kinds of styles and prices, and you'll find them at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. That's the Pella Window Store, your headquarters for quality Pella products in uh, central Illinois. And give them a call, too, if you'd like to as well. They're open Monday through Friday, Saturday by appointment, the Pillow window store. Phone lines are open here in this segment of the show. Let's go to Alan, who is with us. Go ahead, Alan. What's on your mind this morning?
7: Morning, guys, and uh, happy belated birthday to you, Lon. I uh, hope you stay around a lot longer because i got to have somebody to argue with.
2: <laughs> now, well, we always agree.
7: <laughs> well, most of the
2: time.
1: You most agree time. to argue. <laughs> What's up?
7: Yes, there you go. Uh, Is it safe to say that possibly Coleman Hawkins could be our next superstar? And the reason why I'm saying that, I'm seeing an all-around game, that I did not see at all last year. His passing and his dribbling skills is much improved, and his energy is much improved. Uh, He looks like he's on the verge of being that.
2: We have to uh, make our – base our opinions on what we see. And what we're seeing is an extraordinary play so far. I mean, against two teams that don't quite stack up as the season goes along and as Kofi gets back, we'll see just how much, uh, you know, just the impact that Kofi's return has and whether he can still be the standout that he's been. I, I, I see him as a, you know, Illinois had one great concern, I think, going into this season, and that was power forward. Am I right? Wasn't that was that what we were worried about? Mm-hmm. Well, they got it. They got they got a really good power forward in this guy, and so well,
7: maybe possibly possibly a in rough with Bedank too.
2: Well, possibly. I I don't think that's I don't think yeah he's a he's a good strong player and, and he can play some defense and rebound. But yeah, but I I but Kofi's going to be in there thirty out of forty minutes and. I don't know who whether it's going to be uh, Payne or Verdun playing the other 10 minutes or whether they're actually going to try to move uh, Coleman Hawkins over there. Maybe sometimes when you're playing a center other than some of the star players in the Big
7: Ten. On the football side of uh, it, do you get the feeling as I do that this ship is slowly turning around in the right direction?
2: I think he's been going. In, I, win or lose, you, you're – you're basing it on the winning and losing of games. I don't necess- necessarily I – don't, I don't do that. I, I think that he's got the right approach, and I think long-term it's it's exactly what Illinois needs. But, uh, I mean, some of these games could have gone either way, and, and the result of the game doesn't necessarily uh, impact how I think about next season or the following seasons.
7: If we'd had an average quarterback along with the rest of them, we would have won three or four more games. Am I safe to say that?
1: Yeah, I think you're safe to say that um, they're probably a half a dozen plays away from being well eight
2: and two. They were two fourth down and one plays yeah. away from probably winning Purdue and, and Maryland, weren't they? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And the the
2: uh,
7: and Rutgers.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, Rutgers too. Although Rutgers, yes,
1: I it, mean, and the UTSA game was a one possession game. We had a chance to, yep. to tie that. Perhaps. We did have
2: fourth and one against Rutgers and and, mm-hmm. and failed to make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That,
1: I yep. think the big difference, Alan, is there have not been as there was not that many seasons ago four games in which the Illinois team gave up 63 points in a in a season.
7: Right.
1: So they've they've been in all the games, and then, now the Virginia game was a blowout right from the start. And who knows what would happen if those two do teams do you play know again. that
2: Virginia is the leading offensive team in the country, or at least mm-hmm. number two, depending on what stats. Whether you're talking about passing stats, total offense stats, Virginia is. R- at the very top, and they caught Illinois <laughs> with their pants down a little bit, and uh, took advantage because they have a, a team that can do that. But Virginia's really good offensively.
7: We saw uh, a blitz Minnesota really good. Why didn't we do that before? That's what I've been harping on for the last. What's that now? Blitz. The last three, or four oh. years.
2: Well, I think they've blitzed some. I think I think they have. I, I but I I think the play like of this. the play of Carney and Gay has really stepped up, and the play of Newton and Randolph at the two tackles, and by the way, we we were a kind of asleep as they move from a, a, an even line to an odd line. They they're playing a nose nose tackle, and then they're playing the two tackles and the two defense. They're playing a five man front now, and they are bringing some some of those uh, linebackers too. And they've got two guys that can really blitz. I think they're better blitzers than Hanson was. I think that Barnes and and Tolson have yeah. a knack for that.
7: Yes. Yeah. And I think Kobe Joseph has made a huge difference in the defensive backfield.
1: Yeah,
2: he's been in the right place at the right time, and he.
1: Good stuff, Alan. Thanks. Yep. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Yep. Let's uh, let's go to Howard calling this morning. Go ahead, Howard.
5: Uh, thank you guys. Uh, Lauren, I I know the transfer portal will be wild when the time comes, but do you think we could ever attract a guy like Rattler at Oklahoma?
2: Well, I don't know him specifically i don't know that, I don't even know if he's leaving Oklahoma. I assume he will, but, but uh I think Illinois is in a great place to land a quarterback, and I think that the, that's that's the, the thing that they're going to emphasize in in their in, in looking at the portal. I think they feel like they need a veteran quarterback who can come in and maybe play a year or two, and at the same time, they're bringing in a high school quarterback by the name of Leary out of the east who who I can't tell you anything about. I don't know how good he is. I don't know. I don't know where uh, Collier fits in this whole thing, Steve. I don't think he. I don't think he fits high. But uh, and you got Sitkowski coming back, so there's a lot of ways A lot of ways uh, this thing could turn. But I. I think that going after somebody like Rattler would be their number one objective. That and their land a couple of offensive tackles if they can do it. Right. Those are the three things that they. And by the way, it wouldn't hurt to find a nice. Another nice receiver, although as Brad Sturdy told us last night, he thinks the high school, uh, particularly the young man from Rochester, he thinks the high school receivers we got coming in that Illinois got coming in, that are really good. So
5: we're gonna need a punter too.
2: We got one. Uh, we got a punter there and, and, and I I don't I think Griffin's gonna be the kicker, and I don't know no. if Griffin's gonna be the punter or they got another guy from Australia, the mm-hmm. Robertson's mm-hmm. his name. Yep and he's he'll be the punter next year i assume although i see competition between the two of them
1: yep
5: well B-Lim will get the job done i have no no question no reservations about that
1: okay howard thanks for the call we do uh, appreciate Lord, that
5: Lauren, one other question while back you mentioned a basketballer by the name of jj taylor is is he still in the mix
2: i yeah as far as i know yes but i but i don't know anything about that really I I don't know i I mean he's young and he i mean he's he's not a senior, so I'm not going to worry about it for a while
8: so don't worry about him right now
2: well i mean i've I, yeah i i I think that he's in the mix, but i I'm not up on it enough to be able to be uh, definitive
5: okay, that's it thank you
1: ten thirty two Illinois I Saturday sports talk Martin O'Donnell will join us to talk some more Illinois football. And we still got time for an open line as well when we come back after this. Moving up on 1035, the Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. On the Saturday that uh, there is no Illinois football game, the uh, second open week of the season for the Fighting Illini, Martin O'Donnell doesn't know what to do with himself, but I guess... His wife and kids will have something in mind for him Had to have uh, the big guy home for a Saturday in uh, the fall. How you doing, Martin?
8: I'm doing great, Steve. How are you doing?
1: Good. You're gonna watch some football today, you think?
8: I'll uh, probably watch some tonight. Actually, uh, heading with the family over to Springfield to go to the Lincoln uh, Library Museum. So we're we're having a productive field trip day.
1: Well, good stuff. We won't keep you too long, but just kind of wanted to touch base with you as Illinois uh, gets set to. To go to Iowa City next week. And we were talking a little bit earlier on the show about uh, Illinois just a few possessions, a few uh, plays away from uh, really being uh, uh, good and having a good season, but they're still in position to uh, mathematically qualify for a bowl game. Your thoughts on on this season as it's gone so far and the way it's gone lately with the uh, the way the defense seems to be stepping up every week.
8: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the last you know, three, four weeks have been really encouraging, and and we saw flashes of it in in a lot of the Big Ten competition. I mean, Illinois has been right there, as you alluded to, in a lot of the games. Um, So, obviously, you know, really exciting. You know, what was it? You know, two times we've beaten ranked teams on the road in the same year, and and the last time we did that, Illinois won the Big Ten. So, I think it tells you that there's something special here, and I think it's great to have it, you know, in year one, you know, just some proof of concept for Coach Bielema, for the staff, um, and for the guys on the team. And all these guys came back. A lot of guys came back to have an experience like this. So I think the bye week comes at a good time. Then you really just have a two-game season at Iowa, another ranked opponent on the road. And then you got Northwestern, the rivalry game at home. So you touched on it, too. The defense has been fantastic, and the offense has been opportunistic um, and efficient, especially the past couple of weeks. But but obviously we'd like to see more production from the offense, and then the defense just has to be able to sustain it. But it uh, should be a great final stretch of the season here.
1: Coaches and fans, Always like to look ahead, maybe the fans uh, in a different way than the coaches do. But your thoughts on the Illinois offensive line, the way it's played this year, and the way it might stack up for next year?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think the offensive line has, has kind of done what they do. You know, I think we saw early in the season when they were forced on into some game scripts where they had to pass more, and they were still trying to figure out the lineup, you know, who plays where. Um, you know, rotating a lot of guys through the interior there. I, I think the offensive line has really kind of come into their own the past month or so um, and really established themselves in the running game. And you've seen that's, the, that's a recipe for success. If they can get out early, you know, be able to, to run the ball consistently, and then that opens up things in the passing game. But obviously, you're going to lose a lot next year, you know, losing Palceski, losing Doug Kramer, losing Benarian Lowe. You know, losing Jack Bedovinak, who's done a nice job of solidifying that left guard spot, but Julian Pearl has done a nice job. You still have Alex Piltrin, We've rotated in quite a bit, um, but then they got to have these guys develop kind of in the background. And I think that's something that um, you know we saw Zachary Barlow play a little bit against Penn State. Josh Cruz has played a little bit um, in some of those jumbo packages. But that that's what you got to do. You got to develop offensive linemen. And I'm certain also they're going to be active in the transfer portal. Um, with respect to that position as well so you know, i think these guys are, have really come on you know i've seen the offensive line I anticipated seeing this season the past three or four weeks and you know really look forward to them playing a couple physical games um, in divisional battles here the last two weeks
2: how difficult do you think it's going to be to find a quarterback or do you think that the, the, is this a main priority or do you think they'll try to go with see how leary looks and see if Sitkowski comes back?
8: Yeah, I think it's, I would assume it's going to be a combination of both, right? I mean, I think, you know, obviously, Art Sikowski showed some nice things this year, and, you know, we find out once he got, once he broke his arm against Penn State that he'd been working through a shoulder injury, so. Um, you know, he's obviously going to have to recuperate from that. But my guess is they're going to bring in competition. I mean, they're going to bring in competition, you know, across the board, you know, from be it from high school recruits who they're not finished adding, you know, or transfer guys. And that's just kind of what college football is right now. So, um, I would expect them to, to bring in some competition there. But yeah, I mean, you got to You want to have somebody who solidifies the quarterback position, who's going to be able to start there hopefully for a couple of years, um, really just to kind of, you know, get that piece solved. And then, uh, and then that helps to kind of open up a lot of other things with respect
2: to the offense. I'm going to make a statement, then you can uh, respond to it. But the thing that impressed me the most in the beginning was the fact that the uh, the coach was able to, be, um, and his staff, were able to bring back all these seniors and all these players who could have gone elsewhere, who could have been probably where many of them would have been done with their uh, play uh, under Lovey Smith. Now, at the end of the season, last year, Lovey's team, I saw at the very end of the season, now, there were players missing due to COVID or whatever, Against Penn State, they gave up fifty-six, and I remember when Zook let the team kind of get away from him at the end, and they went to Minnesota and just got routed. It seems to me that right now, uh, Belem's B- B- got the team playing. The, they're they're the healthiest, and I think they're playing the the best with the most energy that that they played all season. I I think this really speaks well for him and the staff. Your comments on that?
8: No, I I, I agree with you. I mean, you know. A lot of sports, you know, they they, they run on emotion, motion and and football is no different. It's maybe even more important there. And I think, you know, obviously what what Brett Bielema and his staff were able to do, as you touched on Bourne, was early on getting those guys back and getting them to buy into what they're going to do. And he was selling hope, right? He was selling a vision and a plan. And I think Brett Bielema and his staff have done a nice job of laying out what that plan is. But then, you know, again, once you start to have some success, and, you know, we talk about adversity all the time. Bielema talks about it. Every coach talks about it. In Illinois went through adversity this year, but they bounced back and they were able to do it on the field. And once you kind of get that buy-in and it starts manifesting itself in actual on-field occurrences, like beating a top-10 team on the road in front of 105,000 people, well, then you got those guys who've already kind of bought in. But then you have some other people who maybe are on the fence. Well, then and then the young guys are bought in, and then the, you're able to use that for recruiting, and just it kind of really it becomes a healthy cycle. Whereas kind of what you talked about with things certain you know tend to spiral sometimes that just feeds upon itself and it becomes an exponentially more difficult problem. But I I think the team is absolutely playing hard. They're bought into, you know, the tough physical style of play that this entire coaching staff is trying to get them to play. And again, it is a reflection of what Illinois fans want to see in their football team. They want to see a team that plays defense. They want to see a team that runs the ball. That is the recipe for success in particular, in the big 10 West. And it's nice to see it happening right now. Are there areas to improve? Absolutely. But I think again, in year one to have this kind of stuff happen it's important. I mean, heck, we didn't really start to see results under Zook until year three, and it all happened at once. And then all of a sudden we're beating ranked teams and you know, we're going to the Rose Bowl. But you know, this is something that they will use and be able to harken back on in the offseason once we get there of saying, hey, this, this is the style of football that we want to play and that we're capable of playing here at
2: Illinois. Well, here's the reason I brought that whole subject up. I am really getting tired of getting to the final game of the season against Northwestern and seeing them play with great energy and Illinois play with questionable energy because it's the end of the season, and Northwestern seems to still want it. And I'd, I'd like to see Illinois turn that around this this year. And I'm not looking past Iowa, but boy, that Northwestern g- game has just been a, a sour note for me for a long time.
8: You and me both, Lauren. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think you know, and, and that is something that I, I have an awful lot of confidence. I, I they this team will come out and play. Obviously, next week against Iowa. And then, you know, I feel good about that Northwestern game in terms of their attitude and approach to the game because, you know, I, I agree. I mean, you know, my, my hypothesis for a long time was if Illinois was a team that was you know decent at all, that if come that Northwestern game, you know, Illinois was going to win. And then that thing has been blown up several times in the last six or seven years. And what it comes down to is Northwestern has had our number and they have been more ready to play in that game than Illinois has. 2019 was a perfect example. Northwestern basically ran the triple option against us and and controlled it and won, you know, when Illinois had already secured a Bull Bird. So, yeah, I'm with you. I look forward to to watching that game. I really think these next two games against Iowa and Northwestern, I mean, they're just going to be slobber knockers. It's going to be exactly (laughs) what it was against Minnesota. It's going to be exactly what it was against Penn State. And and that's okay because I think we like to play in the mud. We're comfortable there.
1: Nothing better than uh, cold weather, November football down the stretch when there's something on the line, right?
8: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. get a little chill in the air. You know, the the pads are popping, and, um, you know, you're running the football and stopping the run, and that's, I mean, again, that's that's what it's going to be in the next two weeks because Northwestern is going to try to run the ball. Iowa, we know, is going to try to run the ball. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for this senior class and for this team to really take what's been a fun year and make it a special year.
1: Good stuff, Martin. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it, as always. Enjoy your day with the family.
3: All
8: right. Thanks, guys. Take care. You
1: bet. Martin O'Donnell with us, talking some Illinois football here on Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk 1044. A break here, an open line the rest of the way till 11, back after this. Still got time to call if you'd like here on Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk 217-356-9397. We're here until 11 o'clock. We'll be 9 to 11 next week as well. That'll lead directly into Illini Night Game Day next week with the football kickoff set for one o'clock. We'll be nine to eleven, and Illini Game Day will get started at I lost my train after eleven o'clock. I had three things going here at one time <laughs> in my ear and I got a little corn fused if you know what I mean. But uh so basically a four hour pregame show Coming up next week from Iowa City. That's where I'll be. You'll be here, and uh, a lot going on. We had a couple of texts to get to here, and and again, if you'd like to join us, uh, give us a call two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We had one text regarding the uh, red shirt rule in college basketball. It's not the way it is in football, where you can play an X number of games and then decide to red shirt. You you have to have a medical. Redshirt if for um, some extenuating 30
2: percent on on the medical.
1: I think so. But uh, y- 30
2: unless you're injured within the first 30 percent of the season, first th- first 30 mm-hmm. percent uh, or some other special circumstance, which I don't know what that would be. But if you play one game, you've lost a, a season of eligibility right. in basketball uh, normally.
1: Right. So there's not four games like there is in football right. where you can uh,
2: And by the way Bealman's looking at that really closely Sure. And some of his he's going to have some of his uh, freshmen that will only play four games and thus thus will be retaining their eligibility.
1: Yep. So that answers uh, one of the uh, text questions we had one earlier about uh, the wrestling team having to uh, pull out because of COVID issues.
2: Yeah, they had one player who didn't take the uh, who didn't get the vaccine who uh tested positive and I mean, he didn't test. He, he came down with the, mm-hmm. vac, well, he tested positive, obviously, when they tested him. And then they had to test all the rest of the players, and at least a dozen of them have uh, turned out to have uh, the, the COVID. So, they, so uh, they had to cancel their trip, and and some of those guys are going to be out for 10, 12 days.
1: Yeah, they're scheduled to wrestle next weekend. We'll see yeah. if that. Well, all of them won't be there. Exactly. And another one uh, about. Uh, By the
2: way, they only had one player on the wrestling team who didn't get the vaccine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's where it came from.
1: Right. Another uh, text about uh, Purdue basketball. We talked about uh, Williams coming off the bench. Yeah, and, and, and,
2: and Jim Rosso walked in. He saw Purdue play last night. He said, I want to tell you, he said, they are really good. And uh, they've got.
1: The, the Zach Eddy is apparently really improved. Mm-hmm. The big.
2: Seven foot
1: four. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's big.
1: If you're putting Williams on the bench... Inches,
2: that's four inches taller than Kofi.
1: That is improvement if you're putting a guy like Williams on the bench, you're coming off the bench.
2: Well, that's that's incredible because some people... Well, he was a second-team All-Big Ten player last year. Right. And I saw an actual list of, of preseason All-Americans where he was on, on a 10-man list. And then nobody paid attention to the fact that he isn't even going to start.
1: Right. High school playoffs continue today in football. The... Uh, Quarterfinals in One A Arcola, is taking on Central A and M, in Two A Decatur Saint Teresa and Breeze Mother Day and Pena against Nashville. Three A Unity is hosting Williamsville this afternoon at two o'clock. And Unity is eleven and zero on the season, and so is Muhammad Seymour in Class Five A, taking on Morton, playing on the road today.
2: Yeah, and Muhammad Seymour having a great undefeated undefeated season, and this is the best team they've had in a while, isn't it? It is. Yeah.
1: And the St. Thomas Moore uh volleyball team getting underway, maybe just underway over in Normal and the state championship match there in 1A mm-hmm. of high school girls volleyball. The Big Ten football schedule today, Rutgers at Indiana, Michigan at Penn State, Michigan a slight favorite in that ball game. You think they win up there?
2: I'm going to watch it. I I think that Michigan will win, but I, I you know, I Again, that's a pick game for me. I, I don't see where the team has any great advantages. Somehow I think that Michigan, will, I, Michigan should have beaten Michigan State <laughs> based on the way the game was played. But it, as it turned out, Michigan State had the ability to rally and win. But I think Michigan's pretty good.
1: Northwestern is at Wisconsin. Wisconsin back in the top 25 mm-hmm. after falling out early there. Six and three all of a sudden.
2: Yeah, it looks like they're going to be the team in the West for for when this thing is finally decided.
1: Yeah, you've got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa all at four and two. And Purdue probably loses today. So does probably Minnesota. Well,
2: yeah, if Minnesota beats Iowa, then we'll take another look at it.
1: Exactly. (coughs) And we were... You know, Minnesota was riding high last week until I Illinois know. showed up. I know. And they were looking at that schedule saying, well, you know, if we can go out to Iowa City and get a win, they may not have been I, looking at it I Illinois. I was
2: it nine or ten consecutive possessions Illinois stopped them? Scoreless. Yeah. I
1: mean. <laughs> well, that was a – as our friend out in Iowa City, Scott Docterman said, they played kickball there for a while. Well,
2: I think Illinois got real conservative <laughs> with that fourteen or nothing lead. But when you're shutting somebody out, there's I guess there's a reason for that.
1: They had two scoring possessions, and right off the two bat, great marches. Yep,
2: those are those time are the, eating marches. Yeah, and they passed, and they and they ran, and they just then they
1: had seven consecutive punts. Then they had the victory formation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right. They had the victory formation, I think, about at the end of the second quarter.
1: <laughs> well, they, they got the ball back there at the end and, and went into the victory formation. That counts as a possession. So that that ended the streak of seven straight puns, I guess. <laughs> but uh, that they, they it's like golf. They don't ask you how, right? It's, oh, it's no, how that, many.
2: That's a, that's a really great win. And, you know, coming behind, you know, although Rutgers had to be in the middle there. but and And the Rutgers performance wasn't as good, surely. But at least defensively, they've got a run of, of holding teams uh, 24 or less, and maybe they can do that again against Iowa this coming uh, next Saturday. I mean, Iowa's not a great offensive team, but, you know, so much so often turnovers, and, and Scott Docterman pointed this out, per, Iowa fumbled three times inside their own 20-yard line. You can't do that <laughs> and win. You can't, no matter who you're playing.
1: Who do you like in the Ohio State-Purdue game? <laughs>
2: well, I'm always <laughs> interested in what Brom comes up with. Well, no kidding. He's, he's, a, he's a fantastic uh, passing coach. I think, I mean, that's why he's, and they pulled some great, you know, they scored 49 points against Ohio State a few years ago. How many yeah. years ago was that, Steve, two or three?
1: Well, yeah, it was at Purdue. I remember that, and Ohio State was in the top two or three in the country. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, not they're, number one. They're
2: just, they're, they explode on you. And they just ruined Michigan State. I still say that play that they the, the the touchdown play in the first half was was the greatest play I ever saw. Where they had a double reverse pass back to a guy who had an entire line lined up in front of him again on the left sideline. It was a, I mean, it was a 50-yard touchdown play that they was nothing they could do about it.
1: That's like drawing one up in the in the it in the sand. Perfect. There, here's what we're going to do. Yeah in this game of uh, touch football or flag football or whatever. I'd have
2: that play in my in my <laughs> yeah, every week. Just, just try it once because it were it might work.
1: Well, you can bet they'll have I don't know if they'll have that exact play, but they'll have some like it. Uh, if they're going to do any good well, in Columbus. Well, the thing
2: about it is and Michigan State came back and tied the ball game. Right. And so they go in the second in the second half, it's a toss-up game, and they just kept throwing passes and completing them. What did they have? Three hundred and fifty-six yards passing. I forget the number. Right. I think that was it. Ohio State's uh, about a twenty-point favorite in that. Uh, that can't be. They couldn't. They didn't, surely didn't pass for three fifty-six, did they? That. Why is that number sticking in my head? Who's that? Purdue in, in that last week.
1: I don't know. You'd look at the stats uh, a little closer than I did in that game, <laughs> at least. Let's uh, sneak in one more call here, and uh, say, hey, to Pete, go ahead, Pete.
5: Hi, good morning. Um, sorry I tuned in late. You probably already discussed this, but um seems we've been getting teased with how good Austin Hutcherson is for a long time. Then we saw him in one game and thought, wow. Uh, anybody have any concrete news on him?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, he's close. Uh, he's starting to work out, and uh, I think that he'll be back very soon. I think maybe even he'd be available for Marquette, I think. But, again, I don't have that officially, but I know that he, uh, there, he's he's involved in working out with the team, which means he's he's getting close to coming back.
5: Oh, that's great! I oh. hope he can stay healthy for a while. Love to see what he can really do.
2: Yeah, he's going to have to stay healthy if he's going to play on this team because they're moving oh, fast without so. him.
5: <laughs> they look pretty deep. I'll say, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch this year. Well thanks a lot, guys. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the show. Yep, yep, thanks for
1: the call. Pete, we appreciate it. We need to take one final break, we'll do that and be back with some final words after this. We've got a couple of minutes before eleven o'clock. As we wrap up this edition of an Eli Saturday Sports Talk. you play the golf this week? I did actually. <laughs> no. You no. Didn't? It was a pretty good week yeah, for a well, while. Uh,
2: a week ago I played, mm-hmm. a, but I just at one time.
1: Nothing like November golf, if you can get it in. I understand. You know, I think I've got six rounds so there's far. There's nothing like sitting on the couch <laughs> and thinking about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever it takes. But, uh, you, you still might have next week. Uh, this
2: I heard there's some more. We're some more, uh, we a little 60-ish. more warm weather, huh?
1: Yeah, maybe. So which game are you going to watch? Well, you're going to watch the 11 o'clock game well, first because that's on Michigan
2: first. Michigan and Penn State right now.
1: Yep. And then uh, Illinois basketball will practice uh, and hit the road on Sunday for that uh, Monday game at Marquette. That gets underway at 6 o'clock Monday night, and I'm looking forward to the first road test to see how they come out of that. Because they've had nice crowds here in the uh, the exhibition games and the first two games. Let's go on the road and so well, you got to
2: do it. And you know, the crowd will be really strong up there, and Jaka Smart's pulled off some great wins in his uh, coaching history, obviously, and And he's back home, and and they don't look to me like they're quite as good as some of the Marquette teams have been in recent years. But, again, with transfers and all, you never know until you see them on the court. Good news about the Marquette
1: game is the next game you have Kofi. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Cincinnati, look out. That'll be Cincinnati in Kansas City. That's going to take care of our show. Thanks to Ed Bond for helping us out. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks uh, for all the folks that called in and all of you folks listening as well. On News Talk 1400, WDWS and 93.9 FM, Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend, everybody.